podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, and guys, it is time to play the lottery. It is time to, as Jake Humphrey said, take that shot at the girl in the office because the impossible <laughs> can happen. Rodri has not only been booked, he's been sent off. Impossible truly is nothing. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, it is Monday evening. We are here for a Monday night Euro review show. My name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey Rory, how are you doing? It sounds like it's been very eventful in Milan, um, but here in the UK, we've had some sunny weather and um, hopefully giving us a bit of an Indian kind of summer, I think. Um, but uh, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, as I was just saying, the flat next door is an Airbnb now, so that's providing lots of entertainment um, <laughs> for myself. Um, but beyond that, life's good. Classes are starting again this week, so I kind of back to good reality stuff. a little bit. The summer is officially over. But And this weekend didn't really help, I'll be honest. I was hoping it would help, but it didn't really. Um, but we've got lots of football to talk about. How are you? How are you doing? I'm keeping very well, thank you. Uh, little boy enjoyed his football over the weekends and uh, promptly told me he scored two goals. So yeah, one was a banger. Nice. So um, yeah, I'm Oof. absolutely pl- proud of that as being a parent, watching from the sidelines and trying to keep my uh, tongue tightly lipped, shall we say. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, been a very good weekend. Thank you, mate. And obviously we were spoilt with some football across Premier League and Serie A and uh, cannot wait to dive into uh, your North London derby, obviously, oh. but obviously we've got to talk about Chelsea and how they're falling off like a cliff and causing their fans to have a massive meltdown, as we've been yeah, sharing yeah, over yeah, WhatsApp. Yeah, I did enjoy that. Uh, Man United getting a win for once and uh, Marcus Rashford hitting a different type of post. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about and elaborate on that. But if we move into Serie A, obviously some interesting games, it's fair to say, Rory. Not spectacular games, but interesting uh, ones. Mm. In particular, seeing Victor Osserman being pissed off with a certain Rudy Garcia for taking him off. Um, but yeah, Rory, does that kind of cover most of it? Or is there anything? I think that's most out? of it. We do, of course, need to talk about Juventus as well, because we yes. had Alfredo on and we gave them the curse on Monday. So that, of course, they absolutely <laughs> yeah, exactly. this weekend in fantastic fashion. And we need to give a bit of Lecce love as well, I think, because they are tearing the league yeah. apart at the minute. Uh, unbelievable scenes over there. But yeah, I think that's pretty much everything, to be honest. And we are going to be starting with the Premier League. We're going to start with the North London derby. It was the game that we... It's the best fixture in the Premier League. I think it never disappoints. Um, every single game, every single time, there's goals, there's aggression, there's passion. There's all the things that you want to see in a derby. I think it just never disappoints. And I think... Now, I can go off on a tangent here, and I'm trying very hard not to. Um, if you've not seen my reaction video, I was nice and calm-headed and like cool-headed, I think, and tried to be very unbiased in, me, in my estimation. So I'm going to start with Tottenham, then we'll go to Arsenal, and then I'll talk about the next or the last 24 hours. But um, Tottenham, I was genuinely impressed with, um, very, very impressed. I loved how they just played their football, played their system, stuck with what they wanted to do. You can see how positive it is. You can see how much they believe in what they're doing. It's just everything that Tottenham hasn't been for the last couple of years, right? Mm, definitely, definitely. And I felt like this derby wasn't necessarily about better. And to a degree, or it felt like um, being 
Arsenal dominate in the first half. They seem to be doing the better of the two when it came to those 50-50s and, you know, just the pressurised nature of the game, I suppose. But I think Tottenham grew into it, certainly. And you saw the likes of Madison, obviously, get better as the game went along. But um, you being an Arsenal fan, were you kind of rejoicing when you saw Romero kind of put the ball into the net initially? (laughs) If someone had said to me, you can pick a Spurs player to score an own goal, who's it going to be? I would have picked Romero. Um, look, I think he did not have a good game. No. He did not have a good game. He, I feel like the occasion gets to him every time he, he plays a big game. He does something stupid and is either getting himself booked, getting sent off or doing something rash. And I feel like he was really... Van der Ven kind of got him through this game. I feel mm. like if it had been... Davinson Sanchez, or if it had been one of the old centre-backs, Eric Dyer, then Romero's definitely getting sent off because there's too much to do. I feel like Van der Ven really got him through it. And he was unlucky with the own goal, obviously, but I don't know why he's throwing his leg at it. Vicario's <laughs> got it covered, I think. Yeah. It was so, so stupid, but I'll mass it. I'll absolutely take it. Um, I feel like Arsenal did start really well. First half hour, absolutely battered it. Pressing should have been 2 0 up. Gabriel Jesus really should have scored when he stole the ball from Madison. Um, he really, I think that was the moment that was the game, the moment where the game changed. If we score that two goals within six minutes, I genuinely feel Tottenham don't come back into it, but we didn't. Um, and then Tottenham start to pile the pressure on. David Raya makes an incredible save. Um, but they start Arsenal did what they always do, and when we score, we started to sit back. And like we got towards the end, towards the end of the first half, and we were like, okay, right, let's just see it out. And I really would have wanted us to just keep going, keep going. But I think that is the moment where we saw the difference between Tottenham not playing midweek and us playing midweek. We just got so tired, and then mm. Declan Rice picks up his injury. Um, things start to kind of fall apart, and I think it's not a coincidence. As much as James Madison did play very well in the second yeah. half, it's not a coincidence that he started playing well once Declan Rice was off the pitch because the first half mm. James Madison had a shocker and like Gary Neville I remember in commentary saying the occasion's getting to him he needs to calm down his head's going he's not playing his game and people have now seemed to have forgotten that um because some of the reaction I've seen to Madison's performance has been way over the top as far as I'm concerned um but um the second half everything changed i think declan rice not coming on for the second half absolutely changed the game um and spurs to be fair to them did keep doing what they're doing to for them to um equalize so quickly after we scored shows incredible incredible character but then at the end of the game arsenal were the stronger team again and i think we really finished really well we just didn't have that clinical touch so i think it was a very very even game um I'm going to answer the question and I'm going to get your opinion on what the media and the kind of fan reaction sure. into after the game. But we have a pick, we have a question on the screen from Spanish Tickle. Uh, hola, como estas? Uh, bienvenidos. I think that's uh, Spanish. Um, can Arsenal finish above Spurs this season? Absolutely. We will finish above them. I'm, I'm not worried about that. But I think Spurs will be in the top four. Um, mm. I'm not reading too much into this Spurs performance. They're a lot better than they have been. Yeah. But let's not let's not go a bit let's not go mental and say they're suddenly like the best team in the league. What I've seen is some of the reaction. I'd like to see your re, um, opinion to this as well, Adam. Mm. Some of the reaction I've seen, it sounds like Spurs did us three 0 at home. Like <laughs> okay. it really has been like Spurs were fantastic, Arsenal were terrible. And it's like, well, well, that's not what happened. Like both teams had good and bad patches. Mm. It, there was not like I think. 
with Spurs, they get overhyped really quickly. And I don't know if it's just me as an Arsenal fan, but I think the second they win two or three games, it's like, wow, they're world beaters. It happened with Conte. It happened with Espirito Santo. It happened with Mourinho. They go on a little run and it's like, right, mm. they're going to win the league. Here's the team we've been waiting for. And I just feel like people get so overexcited with them. And I've seen it again, like in the last 24 hours. What do you think? Or is it just me being biased? Uh, no, I, I definitely felt like, obviously, this was kind of a, a victory for Spurs in the sense of they didn't lose, right? I think mm-hmm. if you compare, I think it was last five uh, trips to, obviously, to the Emirates, they haven't won in any of them. I think they've only drawn once, haven't they? So I think this was a kind of a victory in a sense that they didn't lose. Um, but certainly, I think they learned a lot as well from the experience. I think Ange learned a lot from the experience as well. Um, and certainly I f- felt like this was a really open match overall. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of opened up that maybe Spurs aren't as good as maybe people thought, like from the beginning. But this, the thing is, you look, go into like a derby like this and form goes out of the book. Like you don't think about that. This is all about the performance and who wins. But like I said to you offline, it's like you could lose both of these London derbies and still win a league, for example. Mm. You know, you could still be above them, for example. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like there's probably a slight touch of overreaction from Spurs fans. But equally, I think they're justified in thinking that they have turned a corner. They are playing better football. Mm-hmm. They certainly are. And like they, were, no... they were absolutely, ve- like they are a very good team. Mm. I'm not trying to take anything away yeah. from their performance and how far they've come. I'm just saying, let's slow it down. Like I've seen a lot of fans saying yeah. that now Ange has equaled what Mikel Arteta has achieved at Arsenal. No, he hasn't. Just not on any level has he achieved what Arteta has achieved. Arteta has taken a much worse squad than that Spurs squad, right? Yeah. And he has got us to a title challenge that nobody expected. And do not forget, he won the FA Cup in the first season with Mustafi and fucking Ceballos. <laughs> and we beat Chelsea and City, right? Yep. Like, let's not forget what Arteta has achieved with this team, right? And just doing a fantastic job, but just slow it down. It's bloody six games. Mm. Like, let's see when it comes to Christmas, the other side of, the other side of Christmas, where they are. And if they are challenging for the title, then absolutely fair fair play. He has done it quicker than Arteta. But I just think that's slowed down people. It's Because all it's going to do is you're just going to be disappointed in the end. I think, but I know part of that is me being very biased. Um, the last <laughs> thing I want to say about Arsenal as well is there's a slightly concerning um, injury list racking up. Uh, it's getting slightly concerning. This wasn't our full-strength team. It's not a mm. full-strength team. Uh, Martinelli and Trossard were both injured. As I said, Rice going off as well. Um but the bigger issue for me is that we can't finish. We are not putting yeah. our chances away. Um, I think we're like mid-table in terms of like how many big chances you're you're scoring um, mm. or missing, depending if you're yeah, yeah. glass half full, half empty, I suppose. Um, and that is a concerning thing. I think Jesus does everything incredibly well, but not a clinical finisher. Eddie Nketiah, I absolutely love him. He's an Arsenal boy through and through. He works his bollocks off. But he is a Crystal Palace striker, not to be rude to him or yeah. Crystal Palace. Like, I think in January, we're going to see Ivan Tony come to Arsenal. I think it's looking like it's getting decided, it's being negotiated. Um, and I think that could take us to the next level, to be honest, because if we had a finisher like that, that game is 2 3 0 at half time. Like, because Spurs were not in it in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or the first part of the first half. Um, I don't know what you think. Like, it, it, we really should have won it in the first half, and we just didn't. Yeah, I was going to raise this question about the levels. I think this is the key thing that we spoke offline was Jesus, obviously, we know he can be a good player on his day. But yeah, it's that composure element that he seems to sometimes lack. Um, and it's not the first time he did that at occasions with Man City, even when he was like going through like a hot streak of form. Like there would be that period where suddenly it just didn't work for him. And then mm -hmm. you saw Eddie Nketiah and I felt with Nketiah's performance, he was very frustrated. He was getting wound up very easily. Maybe, you know, the likes of Deven and obviously Romero were winding him up potentially. He was lucky and to not get sent off as well. I was going to very say, lucky. I mean, yeah. that incident with Vicario where obviously his leg, he's just lucky that he didn't leave it in the ground at that very yeah. moment because I think how the referee doesn't see that as a red or at least consult VAR on that incident mm -hmm. is very alarming. Um, but yeah, he can count himself very lucky. And I think that that has to be shown to him to like kind of go, look, if you get frustrated, you can't be doing things like that. That could cost yeah, us yeah. a game. That could cost us like potentially like qualification, whatever it be. It could so, cost a man his bloody career. Like that oh, is massively. a bad tackle. Yeah, That's a massively. bad tackle. Yeah, um, huge. But I think the ref in general, I think, didn't do too badly. I didn't no. think it was like the, the handball was a handball. Like I'm, the more I look at it, it's a shot at goal. He stops it with his hand that's stuck in the air. Yeah. It's a handball. Like, I don't know how there was any gray area around it. It's just yesterday I was like, oh, was it generous? And I was like, no, no, that's just a definition of a handball. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I don't think the ref was too bad, but Eddie and Ketty was very, very lucky there. But what does this mean for both teams towards going into the rest of the season? I think it's encouraging for both teams, really. Yeah. Arsenal have managed to handle a game midweek and a big game at the weekend and come out with a draw and battle and show energy and still start a game incredibly well. And for Spurs, they've gone to a ground where they've struggled over the last couple of years and they've come back twice from a goal down and they've shown character. I think both teams can come out of this and be like, okay, no, not bad. I think yeah. Arsenal will be a little bit more disappointed, but overall, not bad. Um, yeah. I'm now nervous that we do have to play them at their place whenever that is, but I just I don't even have the energy for that at the moment. Um, the Spanish tickles their Spurs have played four away games. That's a very good point. They have played more games away than they have at home so far. Um, but they've also had a fairly gentle start to the season, I want to say. Um, beyond Manchester United, you can decide if that's a gentle game or not. But uh, beyond Manchester United and us, I don't think they've had any games where they shouldn't have won. And let's remember that they scraped past the Sheffield United that you know, that Newcastle have just walloped eight nil mm. at home. Like, I think in a different injury type last season in that game, Spurs lose it one nil. Let's yeah, just yeah, have it right, definitely. eh? Um, so they definitely scraped through that one. So I think these are all the things that I'm just like, slow down a little bit. Let's not get overexcited. Um, but Adam, I'm I'm kind of happy to leave the London derby there. I'll be honest. Yeah, fair I'm enough. Kind of done with talking and listening about it. I'll be honest. Um, I've the, yeah, it's driving me mad. So, which game are we going to talk about next? You can decide. Should we go to the team that we like to bash on a regular basis, but we enjoy it? Everton because they actually won Oof. this weekend against a team like Brentford that I didn't anticipate them to pull off a result right but fair play to them they actually played really well didn't they Rory mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and of course, what did I say on the weekend preview? <laughs> Brentford absolutely guaranteed home win. So, of course, <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, yeah, I think I watched this performance and I thought, Everton, why haven't you been doing this every other game? They were <laughs> yeah, exactly. proactive. They were on the front foot. They were pressing. They were like, yeah. it was just much more proactive. And I just thought against mm. Arsenal, they showed absolutely nothing. <laughs> against Sheffield United, they scored and then were just like, right, just refused to actually take control of the game. Whereas mm. with Brentford here, and Brentford, let's have it right, did have a terrible day. They were not themselves. I think Thomas Frank going on to Sky Sports to explain his tactics might have been a bad move. Yeah. Um, but, so Brentford were terrible, but Everton just took control and just stopped, mm. did not stop pushing, did not stop going. I thought Beto was fantastic. I thought Calvert-Lewin coming on was amazing. Um, Decore is he might be their top scorer recently. It seems like he's the only yeah. one who ever scores. But I thought he was fantastic. Like, what did you make of the performance? Although it was really encouraging for Everton, it's just about consistency, I suppose. It was, but I also felt the man that you called out, Decore, was the key catalyst for that performance mm -hmm. because obviously it was his kind of runs into the box and also the fact that he was kind of a physical threat as well. I think he took advantage of the Brentford defence because I think against the likes of Ben Mee, who was obviously injured, that might have been a bit of a tougher game potentially. But yeah, because he was injured, he wasn't playing. Obviously, Neil Malpe couldn't play for this particular match. So offensively, I think Brentford struggled as well up top. But I think the key for me was Decore. Decore mm -hmm. really did kind of make those kind of runs into the box. And he kind of almost doubled up with Beto at times, you know. And I think what also helped was James Gardner as well. His performance was really good. And obviously, it was his interception that let, obviously, Calvert-Lewin, because he threads that ball perfectly for Calvert-Lewin mm -hmm. to tuck away for the third. Um, so there were so many performances, Rory. This is the weird thing. We're actually giving compliments to Everton, like who we'd normally struggle with, right? Um, but yeah, 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 we've yeah. got to say fair play because actually, you know, Brentford had an off day. They didn't have, you know, their full strength 11, let's put it that way. But Everton still played differently. They played almost mm. like they had a different kind of confidence about them. And you could see it even from set plays, like... They were really threatening. Tarkovsky was unlucky not to have scored potentially more. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, he, this was a really complete performance from Everton. And when they had to do the defensive duties, they actually weren't too bad. And if it wasn't mm -hmm. for that kind of Pickford almost saving that um, goal that does go in from Jensen, obviously, if he doesn't save that, then Tarkovsky may be potentially clearing that off the line. Yeah. So, I mean, fantastic performance overall. But like you say, why can't we see that Everton more frequently? I, I mean, think that would this help is, their fans. Yeah. This is going to be the issue for them is if they can do it consistently now, I feel like it's just, you've got that benchmark now. Getting away, getting a result away at Brentford is difficult. That's Not many massive. teams go yeah. there and win. And you've just got to set that benchmark now and be like, right, can you, can you um, do that again next weekend? And I think we're going to see who they got coming up next. Uh, next weekend, they do have um, Luton. That is the perfect game for you to try and be like, right, benchmark, yeah. go again. Um, I'm also not convinced by Flecken in goal for Brentford. I'm really not convinced yeah, by Yeah, you him. didn't like um, him in the internationals, did you? Yeah. In the, yeah, for Holland against Ireland, I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> um, and I wasn't convinced again at the weekend. Um, but a fantastic finish from Calvert-Lewin. Beautiful finish. And yeah, Jay, uh, Garner, I didn't see him as a winger. I know he plays a little bit like narrow, but I didn't yeah, see him as a winger. And he's doing... He's doing very well there. So that's great to see Everton get their first win of the season. Absolutely massive 
for them. Um, absolutely needed that. Um, we're going to move on. I think I've not really got much to say about Brentford apart from just a bad day at the no, office. No, bad day in the office. Day at the office. Yeah. yeah. Um, they'll obviously be fine. Um, I think we're going to move on to. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about Chelsea? Because I really might as well. I really, I, I have a fear. I have. I was watching the highlights and kind of I watched the Burnley United game, right? And then I watched the highlights of Chelsea Villa. And I was like, what's the difference between that Chelsea performance and that Burnley performance? Like they both play nice football. They both yeah, keep yeah. possession. They both like have quality and moments where you're like a little bit yeah. excited. But neither of them can score. And I thought <laughs> Chelsea might be in the same position as Burnley. Now, I know Chelsea are creating a lot of chances, a lot more chances than yeah. Burnley. But what I mean by this is that they are so sterile. They're just so sterile. And I think some of it is down to Pochettino and choices he's making. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really weird. Like Colwell is a centre-back, right? Left left side is centre-back, very good there. He plays him left-back, but leaves Chilwell on the bench. I think that's an odd move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Mudrick, now I know Mudrick's becoming a bit of a lightning rod for everything at the moment, but he is still a very good player. I think yeah. he's being used wrong. Mm-hmm. I think Pochettino is playing him far too narrow. Like mm-hmm. the moments where Mudrick gets onto the wing, beats his man and runs, he is absolutely lethal. And it, the ball, the balls he can put in, he can put them on a on like on a tuppence yeah. or whatever people yeah. say, right? Yeah. Like he has got the quality there. Mm. I just think he's being used wrong. So I think some of it is down to the players and the absolute chaos that is Chelsea, and then some of it is actually Poch not really managing this team very well. Like where do mm. you where do you think it lies? Because I think Poch made some really bad decisions for this game. Yeah, I think he's starting to be questioned quite a lot. I mean, even the new players that potentially you might say that he had an influence in bringing into the club. I think he's still not found the perfect formation for them. Um, a good example was Cole Palmer, who I felt when mm-hmm. he did come on, he had a bright spark about him. You could see like his awareness of his co- like like teammates and just general game flow. You can see he's very aware of himself and he was threading these really good crossfield balls, which I feel like if there was better quality, like, and this is not to say that Chelsea haven't got the quality, but if you're talking about going to the next level, don't forget they spent a billion pounds on this team, right? They could have spent this billion pounds so on better, better quality players, right? So much We've agreed on this term already. But yeah, I I do feel that they're just being let down at the moment. And that's, that is a combination of confidence, right? But it's also the fact that they've changed the lineup so many times that mm. they don't know themselves what, how to play with each other yet. And I, I feel this is a frustrating bit for Chelsea fans at the moment is that they're just seeing these decisions being really poorly managed by Pochettino and Pochettino's starting to get questioned now. And I, yeah. I kind of questioned this last week. I still think there's going to be an opportunity there where we might say Pochettino isn't there by the end of this season, potentially not even there by Christmas again. Um, but the problem is Chelsea needs stability. They can't keep yeah. on changing yeah. things all the time. If, but this if they it. get rid of if they get rid of Pochettino, this gets worse. Yeah. Like this doesn't. One, who do you get in? Do you bring fucking Fat Frank back in to ride out another season? Like oh, I think if that. you get rid of Poch, this only gets worse. So they have to do what Chelsea haven't done since they've been bought by Abramovich, and they have to show patience and they have to just 
except that this season is going to be fucking rough. We don't know how rough because genuinely their fixtures coming up are absolutely atrocious and they are they are in relegation form over the year 2023 i think they're bottom of points picked up (laughs) yes right not like even everton do better than them even everton have got more points and more wins than them this year right that like having the chelsea badge won't protect you from that right Mm. and it's somebody like their fixtures coming up, you cannot describe how well, they are. This, they've this, got this... United, they've got Arsenal, they've got City, they've got Brighton, Fulham, they've got Liverpool. Yeah. Um, they've I think the only games we said Burnley, got chance, Burnley, got Fulham. Burnley and Fulham are the yeah. two where you're like, okay, you can pick up points there, but the rest of them you're like, you're not getting anything from that unless something drastically changes. And at which point do you turn around and go, Okay, well, Chelsea are in trouble. So then mm-hmm. So then at that point, the board have to act, right? You can't see Chelsea there and not do anything. So it's Mm. like this already this massive catch 22 that they find themselves in. Like unless Poch somehow it just clicks at the weekend and they're fine, which I can't see myself because they have this weekend um, Fulham away. Uh, Still Fulham aren't the same, but still not an easy game. But it's a local derby, Rory. It's, it's a local, local derby. <laughs> yeah. Anything can happen, right? And so. then they've then they've got the Burnley away. So the next two games are all right-ish. And then it gets difficult. Arsenal at home and it gets mm. a little bit more difficult. Um, so yeah, it's kind of it's a really weird situation they find themselves in that they're damned <laughs> if they do and they're damned if they don't almost. <laughs> um but Poch is he's wrestling for his uh, reputation here because Absolutely. Absolutely. the PSG job did not go well. Um yeah. and here like you said, he's starting to be blamed now. But look, enough with that. Nicholas Jackson now misses the next three games because he's been banned. He's been uh, booked five times. The red card was absolutely atrocious. Armando Broge is going to have to come in, which could be a blessing in disguise because he has done very well in the Premier yeah, League when he's played he plays, before. Yeah. So I think that could actually, you could see a bit of an upturn there. So a kind of ray of hope slightly there for Chelsea fans, I think. But Aston Villa fans are going to be very annoyed that we haven't given them any credit. Um, yeah. Going away and beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge is still a landmark result. Um, and I thought Aston Villa were fantastic. Um, mm. Ollie Watkins were a really nice finish, but I thought Konza was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, he has been so far this season. I think his form's been fantastic. Um, and I think a player that I'm so happy he's doing well, Nicolò Zagnolo. Yes. He has yeah. absolutely. He's coming to Villa and he's just thriving. He's absolutely yeah. thriving. It feels like he's the the two number 10s with him and um kind of McGinn isn't it i suppose as a number yeah. 10 the, between the two of them and like allowing Diaby to just run forward i think we're seeing that Zaniolo with the little little flicks the little passes <laughs> off that he's got yeah. his swagger back he's really beautiful to see i was really impressed with uh, really impressed with him have you been impressed by how he started his premier league career Yes, it's really nice. And I, I saw a tweet from Uncle Sharma, friend of mm-hmm. the show, who said if he pick, could pick three Italians to come and join the Premier League and be best suited for it, it would be Zaniolo. It would be Tonali, for example. And I, I think, you know, it's just fantastic to see he's yeah. got that confidence back because obviously we remember that transfer window where he moved to Galatasaray and he was just absolutely obliterated. Remember, yeah. he was on the cusp of joining Bournemouth with Gary O'Neill. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, bonkers to yeah. think, right? But he's now at a club with Unai Emery, who I believe will give him like a bit of self-belief mm. and let him play his game. And I think 
he 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 will thrive. He will thrive. I just hope you know as well as I do from his Roma days. I hope his legs withstand it because he said some terrible injuries. Two ACL want... injuries yeah. on both, like one on each leg. Exactly. That is That's horrific. tough to go That's through. Horrific. That's horrific. So for his sake, but also Rory, just quickly, Uno Emery inspired that team to get mm-hmm. that kind of victory after midweek against Legio also. Um, that was massive because they were absolutely obliterated by Legio Varsava. And just one thing that was quite funny, saw a quote from one of the Legio also players um, saying that he prefers to play the Europa League compared to the extra classer, which is the Polish League, because they get more time in Europe, which kind of says a lot about okay. that performance against Aston Villa, because for him to say that quite tongue-in-cheek should we yeah. say from the post that's player. definitely like that's kind, kind of, of like, a bit of bait to get a reaction there yeah, isn't it exactly, exactly. massively definitely. so yeah good victory and good goal well taken goal mm-hmm. by Ollie Watkins because yeah again that guy should have been in the England squad recently yeah. but yeah fantastic it's really goal. I love seeing him at full flow as well when he's confident he's such a nice player so such a great player to watch so I feel like yeah Aston Villa they had a bit of a rough start and we were like yeah. oh god what's happening here Feels like they can this this result really be them starting to write it out a little mm. bit, um, and I still think they'll get towards the top seven. Let's yes. see, because um, yeah, Emery's really getting a tune out of that squad, which is nice to see. Big win for them. Emmy Martinez, fantastic again, um, doing his shit housing again. We absolutely love it. Um, elsewhere, just to devote. Oh, we need to talk about Sheffield United Newcastle. We do. Don't we? Yeah. Um, oh my god. So. Sheffield United nil, Newcastle eight. Um, one of those scores that they have to write it in in letters in brackets. After put the asterisks at the end, yeah, just in case people <laughs> people think that their, their eyes are deceiving them. Um, well, where to begin? I do it just as a slight bit of like that's not just, but Newcastle's first goal shouldn't have counted. That was handball, right? Okay. Yeah, that is a match-turning moment. I'm trying my very hardest to give yeah. a, to give a thing here, right? That is a match-turning moment. That being said, what Sheffield United then proceeded to do after that was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. Um, that is not the way to react to a knockback and no. to a kind of that is not how you do it. So I think it needs to be said that I'm not sure why that goal wasn't disallowed. Like I know the rule no, but... is the rule is because Gordon didn't take the shot he didn't directly benefit from it yeah. but you're making it too is it handball or not just leave it at that is handball okay yeah fine i feel like that they kind of got shafted a bit there but then the other seven goals i've not got any excuses for you no, no. Fans. and that's it could have been worse it could have been worse. Oh, yeah. that's the thing it could have yeah, been yeah. even bigger scoreline and i think we we i had some concerns about hecking bottom by the fact that last weekend he kind of conspired and said the referee indicated that they should kick it long and that somehow influenced the game. This week, Rory, I saw the quote after match of the day where he said they were just better at us, uh, you know, more committed. They had better goal kicks than us. And I'm thinking to myself, goal kicks don't win you matches, mate. I I really do despair. And it's no wonder that we've had rumours about, obviously, Chris Wilder, a week ago, and now so Neil sure. Warnock's been sacked or made to told to That's go. For the that That's the solution. That's the solution. Yeah. I mean, he'd he'd love it, right, to come back home and oh, uh, one last really, ride, one last, one last well, ride. every year's one last ride with him, isn't it? To be <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's but true. yeah, I think it's inevitable. I think that they lose one more match, but then he, 
you know what? I thought he'd be gone this morning, honestly. Yeah, I think so. But I think the problem is they can't really afford to do much at the moment. They can't no. afford to install someone and give them pro- potentially any funds as well because yeah, there's yeah. a huge issue. Even when they're coming up from the championship, they were if it wasn't for their FA Cup run, they could have potentially have gone into administration. So it's quite startling because you consider a few years ago, they were taken over by the Saudis, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're in a position where they might not even be able to be stable as a club. So this Premier League season's definitely helping them financially mm-hmm. it's just a question whether it's going to put them on the stable footing going forward but yeah let's kind of consider this sheffield united squad as potentially first team to go down this season i, I think luton might stand a better chance good of competition winning. Yeah. they've got some good competition because none of those sides look like winning none of them look like no winning, really i feel like now there's going to be a load of like reactive hot takes of like the championship and it's never been worse and i think this is just three teams especially Burnley they came up playing fantastic football and they're kind of like Norwich they always come up playing really good football then they get to the Premier League and they realize they've got to learn a completely new different style of football and then they get battered I feel like Burnley that's their kind of issue Luton and Sheffield United I think at the beginning of last season neither of those fans would have expected promotion um so I think they both of them kind of got there sooner than they realized or sooner than they planned if you know what I mean so I think yeah there I mean, are caveats mm. but I think it, it, the, those are the three teams that will go down Everton will be so relieved um but <laughs> yeah. those are the three teams that will go down and I think we might see a team survive on less than 30 points mm. quick word before we kind of move on Rory company do you think he's being a bit um blase about the philosophy you know do you think they should change it so they can grind out some results because you can see companies trying to build and instill this kind of Mm. we play it this way but do you think that's a bit naive on his part because they are starting to not adapt but at the same time they brought in so many players in the summer right Mm. and they're potential players for the future but is that a risky strategy by company as well it's massively risky Mm. it's massively risky but i also think some managers get praised for not not changing their principles. Yeah. And some managers don't. Now, obviously, the key thing is the managers that don't get criticized are the ones that win. Obviously, I know that. But I I always have respect, like Marcello Bielsa, right? I always have respect for a manager who goes, No, this is how we play football. I this is like how I want to play. This is what we work on. I believe in this. I massively have respect for that. But I realize I'm in the minority. And when I talk to a friend of the show, Tom, about this, he thinks I'm an idiot because he's like, no, you've just got to try and win every game. There's no point in style. You've just got to win. What are Mm. you talking about? So I think for me, I respect the fact of what he's trying to do and the transformation at Burnley in their image in general has just been insane until you take on the fans who haven't changed at all. But (laughs) the the, the transformation in the club has been insane. And like the, the, level of exciting players they've got there like Kolyosho is unbelievable mm. another young Italian player where I'm like yes get them all over in the Premier League because you're not <laughs> going to get a game in Serie A just come over here yeah. we'll play you and we'll enjoy you like like Nyonto as well right yeah um so I, I respect what he's doing but I I get the feeling that you disagree with me no not necessarily but I do feel like company needs to probably change it up just for the sake of his potential Mm. career at the club like i think this is the problem i feel like he's built up really good rapport probably bought him some time because of the way that he bought them up but eventually there's going to become a point where bernie's board kind of go 
this ain't working. We're not getting anywhere. We're not kind of developing any further than we thought we would be. I think he just needs to learn that he has to adapt his style certain times. I think he just needs to realise that there's going to be certain times where you just have to grind it out. You mm. might have to just adapt the way you play. But I, I do question whether he probably has the type of place to mix it up, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I haven't really studied mm. Bernie's squad I enough. Think to really make that decision, but it does feel like that from the outset. It said a lot that he just reverted, like the only option he had off the bench was Jay Rodriguez, who I forgot was still there yeah. and was a, that is a Daesh player, if you know what I mean. Like I feel like he still doesn't have that final piece in attack because what they're, what they're playing and what they're creating, much like Chelsea, what mm. they're playing and what they're creating is very nice to watch. It's very like, it creative. It's attractive football they just haven't got that guy at the top who's going to mm. stick it in the back of the net which yeah. is the most important thing right so i feel like burnley if there's any of them that might scrap their way out of it burnley have got the biggest chance but i don't think any of them will i think the relegation battle is not going to be an exciting one like last year um no. but finally for the premier league um i think um, we should give some credit to newcastle eight different goal scorers ruthless um it, any win like that is a fantastic performance right they've been struggling a bit this season is this the result that's gonna turn their season around a little bit um i think it just probably builds on you know what house tried to build at newcastle and i think the fact that you had eight different goal scorers was probably nice you know it's mm -hmm. nice little feel for every player on that pitch right so um i think trippier benefited hugely and obviously yeah, it was f fantastic for fantasy football teams around the world, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, after the midweek game against Milan, where they didn't really do too much mm -hmm. to then come and, you know, have more expansive kind of thoughts around the plate. Now, we have to caveat this by saying Sheffield United ain't Milan, right? So then there's not going to be a direct comparison. But we could argue otherwise when we talk about Serie A in a moment. But um, yeah, uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I think this was the perfect match for Newcastle. It, you know, you yeah. could have yeah, yeah, you yeah. couldn't have wanted a better fixture if that makes sense, and yeah, yeah. it could have been a banana skin, but they approached it in the right manner. And you know, again, he rotated his squad. Mm -hmm perfect game for Eddie Howe and Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, very quickly, I'm just going to kind of round off what happened in the mm. other games before we move on to Serie A. So, sure. Man City won 2-0. Rodri yes. was sent off. It didn't make a difference. Um, I get the feeling that Man City might do the season unbeaten this year. Um, I really think mm. there is nothing that is going to stop them. Um, we had Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil. Um, Luton Town won, Wolves won. Luton with the luckiest penalty decision ever um i think gary o'neill will be absolutely fuming that that was given against him he's had a few rough decisions against him and in, already this season and in his time at bournemouth uh, what did you make of that handball i thought it was absolutely disgraceful it came off his leg there's nothing he could do about it no there's nothing he could do about it but by law that's how they're given these days now so yeah, I, I don't know yeah, it just and I because this is the Wolves team that didn't get the blatant penalty against yeah. United, right? They've been shafted by VAR this season yeah. so far. So I think Gary O'Neill is not going to be um, particularly happy. A team that nobody is talking about, and I'm getting concerned about them. They're only two points off Manchester City. Liverpool beat West Ham three one. West Ham were actually pretty unlucky in this game. I feel like they played really well. Liverpool were just a lot more cutthroat. Can we talk about this midfield that suddenly? 
It was their weakness. Now it's their strength. Liverpool's midfield looks absolutely fantastic. Shabashlai, McAllister, mm. and Curtis Jones, a player who gets a lot of stick, but a player I've liked for a while. That midfield looked incredible, right? They did. And you saw, I think, to a degree, a slightly different side of Alexis McAllister, who's mm-hmm. threading balls. He was kind of looking for, and you saw that with the Nunes goal. Like you, there was one shot where you can see it just behind McAllister as he threads it through. So I think he's starting to be a bit more expansive with the style of play. And you can see Klopp has had that little bit of influence with him as well on the pitch. Obviously, when he came in, it was a bit rough still, to be fair. There was that tackle, if you remember, he got sent off against, I can't remember now, but it was against, Mm -hmm. was it Brighton or something like that? But anyway, yeah, yeah, I can't can't remember the particular match. But yeah, there was obviously that rough ground. But yeah, I think what Klopp's done is amazing because Mm -hmm. I think 12 months ago, we were struggling to think how Liverpool are going to progress going forward. They had so many players that were dead beat, should we say, the likes of Fabinho, Jordan Henderson now looks like a distant memory now. You wouldn't have thought he was there and led them to Champions League success and etc. So, um, yeah, high hopes for Liverpool. I just think they just need to potentially work on defensively. And defensively is 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 yeah. still there. They're still a little bit shaky at the back. But yeah. I think you're looking at that front three as well. Salah, Nunez and Luis Diaz. That's a hell of a front three. And then you've got Jota N- as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like Nunez is absolute chaos, but I love him. And he's starting to really get those numbers. He's really mm. starting to hit those numbers. There's a reason why Ian Wright is fucking obsessed with him. When yeah. Ian Wright says someone's a good striker, you know he's a good striker. Yeah. Um, and I think he's been fantastic. For West Ham, players that I've been really impressed with so far, James Wall prowse seeing him in a team yeah. that's actually, with all due respect to Southampton, trying to win games, habitually winning, winning games. Feels like he's really been able to showcase a little bit more what he's able to do. And Lucas Paquetat, you can see why Man City wanted him. What a player. Just what a player. Like West Ham, again, had a bit of a... Well, they've had a very good start to the season. Like, well, Do you think they can push this year? Um, yeah, yeah. I think they can, as long as they're a bit more consistent with their mm-hmm. form. Because I think that was the problem. They kind of concentrated on Europa Conference League last season, didn't they, really, towards the back end when it did feel like they were ever so close to getting dragged into the relegation battle. So... I think they've got the right mix of players. I feel like David Moyes has won his battle with the recruitment team as well mm-hmm. this time around. So that possibly helps galvanise them as well. Um, but yeah, certainly they've started well, but I would start to worry about the last few results now. They've started mm-hmm. to lose. Obviously, Man City, you, you can forgive. You know, you expect to yeah. potentially not win those games. And again, here... And they, were, they pushed them for a bit. Yeah, they did exactly. push them for they a bit. They didn't play badly, did they? They did offer something. Um, but yeah, I, I would say these are kind of games you probably would expect them to lose. Mm-hmm. It's just how they bounce back now. Is yeah. how do they bounce back to your equivalents in the league. So Well, the yeah. good news is... Their next game is Sheffield United at home. And that's low-key a match where yeah. they fucking hate each other. Those fans fucking <laughs> well, despise yeah. each other. Carlos For, Tevez, you know, Xavier Mascarano. Google yeah. Tevez and Mascarano. Exactly. Yeah. Again, friends of the show, Tom. Getting a lot of shouts out this week, mate. Um, absolutely hate Sheffield United. Yeah. And me and him have argued many times about which club was in the wrong there. Um, but we're going <laughs> to leave that one there. Uh, West Ham did win. And of course, Brighton 3, Bournemouth 1. Bournemouth started so well. But then Karu Matoma comes on, scores 16 seconds after coming on to the pitch, <laughs> then gets another one. 
The guy's just a cheat code, right? And just, cheat code. just to rub it in, Deserby says that was the worst we've ever played. So <laughs> welcome, welcome to the club, Bournemouth. <laughs> absolute shit out of the net. That is horrible, isn't it? At the end, oh, you thought that was bad? Oh, we were shit. You must be really shit. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for that. Deserby starting to get a bit of his character coming across now. Yes. I like that. Absolutely love it. And that is the Premier League weekend. This midweek, just before we go to Italy, we do have some Carabao Cup action um, for energy drink fans. Um, so mm-hmm. let's go through the games. Burnley have got Salford City away. I'm just looking at which games might be worth looking at. Port Vale, Sutton United for a lower league treat. Mm, yeah. uh, United, Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace, not bad at Old Trafford. It'll be interesting to see how United do there. Liverpool hosting Leicester City. Um, Chelsea versus Brighton. Yeah. That'll be a fun one. Um, I feel like that will be another home loss. Arsenal travel to Brentford, Aston Villa against Everton, and then we have the uh, Oil Classico as Newcastle <laughs> take on Man City as well. In the Carabao Cup, and I'm looking for the Spurs game. Oh, no, they've already been knocked out. Uh, they <laughs> will not. They get another week off. Bloody hell. Part-time yeah. is over at Spurs, I tell you. Well, they Absolutely. lost to Fulham, didn't they? They lost to Fulham <laughs> in... Absolute part-timers. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, uh, guys, and we're going to come back and we're we're going to discuss all things Calcio. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. And we are back. Loved that break. Nice and refreshed. It's time for Serie (laughs) A. Um, The first game to talk about. Which game's coming up first, Adam? You decide. Should we start off with Empoli versus Inter? Just purely Oof. because I want to talk about an emphatic hit by a certain DeMarco. I mean, is he potentially, there's, you know, there's conversations who's got the best left foot, but that technique was incredible against Empoli. Empoli didn't really offer much. It has to be said in this particular oh, match. We so... didn't expect much, right, Rory? But no. I think that was a very good performance again by Inter. Um, there's a in crazy stat which I will get to once I load it up on my screen, but I just want to quickly talk about Turam again. Magnificent! If it wasn't for the offside rule, he was going to score another one. Mm-hmm. Lautaro looks sharp. Um, you know, Chanalogu, Chanalogu I mean, was unreal, incredible, yeah. absolutely incredible. And you know, Fratesi gets a run out as well. Um, mm-hmm. but also Jan Sommer, who's called into action, he had a shot from distance, saved superbly well. Yeah. Um, so again, props across the team, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the kind of attacking duo, and as we've alluded to, the midfields, but yeah, really impressive for Zanetti. I feel again, we've, we keep on saying this about Empoli, they are going to struggle. They did play a bit more of attacking lineup, they had Marion, obviously, they had Baldanzi. But well, this was their new manager, much. right? It's a new manager yeah. brought in. I can't remember his name now. It begins with a G, but there was a bit of a, yeah, let's play our best players in a controversial move, right? Let's put Baldanzi on yeah. the pitch. It did make a difference. Um, but Inter now played five, won five, uh, scored 14, conceded one. Mm. Um, this is about as convincing a start to a season as is possible. In contrast, <laughs> Empoli have had the worst start to a season. In, pre- in Premier League, in Serie A history. Yeah. Played five, lost five, scored none, conceded, conceded 13. 13. Now, the, the scoring none is genuinely impressive in five <laughs> games. That is it's genuinely. Baffling. Usually one goes in at some point off someone's arse or something. But I think for a game where you've got, and maybe this is a slight criticism of Inter, 
for a game where you've got the team that are absolutely flying against the team that are absolutely down, maybe it should have been more than 1-0. And maybe mm. Inter should have been a bit more convincing, but that's me being uber critical. Yeah. Because I think the Inter performance itself was very, very impressive. Um, but Empoli are banging trouble. I think there's just, they're as bad as, um, I don't know, Sheffield United. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, potentially worse. I mean, if that's ever possible, but like. They I've... only lost 7 0. Sheffield United yeah. lost 8 0. Yeah, so this is go. true. This is true. But it's Italian way. We wouldn't want to go any further than 7, <laughs> that's right? True. That's true. Um, but that's true. yeah, I, I do feel like. That, do you know what? Why this should happen, like, as an exhibition match, like, play the worst sides of every league, you know, the bottom club play in, like, a tournament just to see who's the best of all the shit clubs that have got. This is definitely a football manager save um, (laughs) on on YouTube. Someone's done this, definitely. Far better than the Super League, definitely, Rory. (laughs) (laughs) I think so, I think so. Um, But, yeah, Inter able to kind of um, rotate a little bit but yeah, DeMarco, I've got him in my Fanta Calcio, so I was super happy to see that hit the roof of the net. The way he like slices across the ball, yeah, and like it's just one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen. Um, and what I love about him is that he's someone who like grew up on the Cordova in San Siro. Like he yeah. is absolutely one thousand percent into Milan, yeah, um, or Inter, sorry. Um, and he just to see him become one of the best left wing backs in the world. Um, it's just a beautiful thing because when he was on loan, at, I remember when he was on loan at Verona when me and yeah. Tommy were doing the show, Tommy was super excited about him and he was absolutely crushing it there. And he's had a bit of a career where he's had to go out on loan. He's had to be patient. Yeah. He's had to like earn his place. And it never, even when he did come back from Verona, it looked like Inter were going to sell him. They weren't hundred percent sure on him. Mm. And then he's come in and just become one of their key players. And I think it's Massive, just fantastic yeah. to see. Um, Pavard looks like he's been playing in the league for 10 years. It's insane how smoothly that guy's fitted in. Mm, he's just been so smooth with the transition. But I think props to also Inzaghi, because mm. Inzaghi, under Inzaghi, they've really kind of pushed on, haven't they? Uh, I've just been really impressed by this inside. It's just a question of how long can they like extend this, right? How long mm. can they take advantage of the other teams not possibly really pushing them, I think? Um, because, yeah, I feel like with that side, anything is possible. Anything mm-hmm. is potentially possible. But Inzaghi will be gunning to ensure that they've got consistency in the league, I think, this season. It just feels like they've got themselves geared up for it. They know what to do in Europe. But I feel like, yeah, they, they're really concentrating this year. And to be fair, Inzaghi's got the players that he wants. I, yeah. I genuinely feel that. And we haven't even seen Quadrado really come on, have we? So, you know, he's ready for that shithousery when it's needed, when when it's needed by... Um, but yeah, fantastic depth of like quality now in that inter squad. It's not like last season or the season before where they're kind mm-hmm. of scraping the barrel for these old workhouses and you know the likes of Jekko and Lukaku to kind of do the dirty work. Not this time around. Yeah, uh, sounds good. Well, that's it. And we talked about because in Europe, I think he rotated it a little bit too much, and we said that yeah. like you, you've got to like even playing football manager only make like maximum three changes otherwise you're definitely going to lose yeah and uh, but i feel like this time he has kind of just moved a few little pieces but kept that core together and i think martinez has been able to start every game and just lead him by example and again having the luxury to take him off after 60 minutes and be like right mm-hmm. i know if we can rest your legs it's just those are the things that make the differences right those are the things that will get you that little bit further i think inter are definitely the favorites as it stands um and 
midweek, we've got midweek action in Serie A. We do, a big yeah. test for them. Um, they will be coming up against Sassuolo at home. Giant mm. killer Sassuolo. Now, I am forever confused about Sassuolo. I do not <laughs> know what they are. Um, so in their last game, so this season, let's go back to the beginning of this season. They have lost 2-0 to Atalanta, lost 2-0 to Napoli. Then they beat Verona 3-1. Um, lost to Feral Pisalo. What the hell is that? Um, then they lost to Frosinone and then beat Juventus. Um, it feels like you never know what Sassuolo are going to do. You never know no. who's going to turn up. But it's helped when Juve basically throw the ball into their own net about three yeah. times. Um, Adam, take us through what the hell happened. with Chesney made some great saves, but then absolute shockers. Just what happened? Um, well, yeah, it's a bit of a howler to be fair. Um, so it's basically a Lorente long range effort that deflects off Chesney's gloves into mm. the net. So, yeah, it's, it's just like hits his shin and goes in. It's like really weird, isn't it? It's, it's just, just such yeah. a weird goal to be fair. And I mean, the all of the goals you could kind of say it all calamitous in their own little yeah, way yeah. because even the Pinamonte one was like rebounded off like inadvertently off Chesney into the path of Pinamonte who heads it home to make it 3-2 and then obviously instead of pitch time like Chesney just kind of does a cross field ball without a lot of pressure on Gatti he kind of just I don't know what he was thinking but he obviously thought Chesney is going to run and help him out and then yeah, you just watch him in despair, kind of everyone like hands in the air, like going, what the hell have they just seen? But Gatti superbly like boots it essentially back into the back. It's like net, back heels it. it. It's like really, really cocky. And I think it's not, that one isn't Chesney's fault. That no, one not. isn't Chesney's no. fault That's at Gatti's all. Fault. That's He's Gatti's just stood fault. there like, what the hell was that? Like, <laughs> it just... It, I feel like this was a match where Juve really lost their heads because yeah. now I don't know if I because I only saw the highlights, but there was pictures of Chiesa where it looked like he was attacking Allegri. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It does feel like there's still not a lot of love between the two of them, and I, I think there's just that, this is typical Allegri style football, isn't it? He just winds them up. I feel like mm. one week it's all okay, the next he just pisses them off and like. It, it just was a poor match overall by Juventus. They lacked ideas, lack cohesion. And mm. yeah, it was back to the Juventus of old, Rory, for us. Yeah. Like we, we used to take the piss, but yeah, it was just poor again. And, you know, they persevere with Allegri. This is the problem. But just across the pitch, there's some really poor performances. Even look, McKenzie, uh, McKenny, even sorry, poor Mbretti hasn't had a fantastic start mm-hmm. to the season. Bremer, who called out last week, again, really poor defensively. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know where you end it, basically. But I almost feel ultimately it lands at the feet of Allegri. Allegri is the man who kind of decides these things. It all goes back to him, doesn't it? But I think I'm... I want to live in the alternate universe where Locatelli came to Arsenal. (laughs) I feel like he is being tortured at that club like he's, he i feel like the performances he's putting in haven't been bad i think he's no. been good this season he's putting in decent shifts but he's just not being able or he's not yeah he's not able to do what he's good at be that box to box defense and attack round the corner getting those quick passes yeah. off threading passes because he's he's having too much to do like rabio was Almost certainly playing for a contract, right? Because we've, yeah, we've, we've not, not seen not heard him at his best since. anything from him since, right? Yeah. And like as you said, Moretti's struggling. I feel like Locatelli's just got a bit too much to do. And then 
that midfield is just so easy to run through at the moment. And then we were praising Chiesa and Vlahovic. They're one of the, they've been one of the most successful partnerships at the beginning of the season. But then Vlahovic, again, this game just goes back to missing easy chances. And you mm. think this squad is always a, a mental breakdown away. Like it's yeah. always one thing away from everything falling apart. Because it mm. looked like they were really, and I know this is like, it could be a freak result. Yeah. They could go on to the next game and they could just absolutely smash it. And it would be like, right, okay, that never happened. But it always feels like this kind of performance is just around the corner. Yeah. Um, and with Allegri, that's always going to be an issue, I suppose. Um, but we do need to give Sassuolo their credit. Um, Bernardi's record against oh. the top clubs now is absolutely insane. I thought he was really outstanding. I'm going to look for the statistics now on my phone. Um, so Bernardi against Milan, he's got 11 goals, 7 assists. Against Lazio, 9 goals, 4 assists. Against Inter, 7 goals, 3 assists. Against Roma, 4 goals, 6 assists. Against Napoli, 3 goals, 3 assists. And against Juve, 2 goals and 3 assists. Now, he's been playing for a very long time. Mm. But still, he's been playing for Sassuolo for a very long time. Yeah. That is an insane level of performance against the top clubs. He absolutely loves it, right? He does. And the uh, funny thing is that Juventus could have like signed him twice now, Rory. They could have signed him this summer. They could have signed him about four or five seasons yeah. ago. He's been um, crying out to leave that club. I think this summer was the bit where I thought like he might make move. I thought mm-hmm. he might make move. There was rumours that Milan were in prime position and that get him to Brighton. Get him to Brighton. You've said that for a long time. Yeah, I just yeah. I can't see it happening unfortunately. <laughs> but I'd love it to happen. I'd love it to happen because I feel like yeah that would be great for his career. That'd be great for his career. Just to come and experience a different league for once yeah. as well, right? Because yeah, yeah. I think he'd rip it up. He's so. staying in Italy if he goes anywhere. But I feel like for Sassuolo he's such an iconic player and he's such a like in games like this, he just turns up and you just yeah. realise just how exciting a player he is and how good he was at Euro 2020. You just look oh. back and like, oh my God, what a player. Absolutely love it. But Pinamonte, a striker who people <laughs> thought really like Sassuolo, like Katsofai, what are you doing buying this guy? I know. He's had a pretty good start to the season. Yeah, if you remember the game beforehand at Frosinone, his mm-hmm. two goals there were fantastic. Yeah. They were <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. genuinely good. Um, but yeah, I think he's starting to get some confidence. Look, mm-hmm. he's the prime man. He is the man that is there to do the business at the moment. So yeah, I feel like he'll get better. But the problem is, I think there's still that kind of, I think there's a negative connotation about Pinamonte that he, he mm-hmm. can't, he's not really a step above the level that he's at. I don't, you know, he's probably needs to have a few seasons where he's top goal scorer, but you know, in double margins, Rory, I feel like, until he gets that consistency, he's never going to be considered like a good enough player to play at a top club in Italy, let alone maybe even consider for the Azzurri. So, no, yeah. I can't. He's no. 24 years old now. He's got he's four still got goals. time on his side, yeah. Rory, right? Yeah, but yeah he's I got think four he, goals he in needs five to games. be consistent. He needs to be consistent. Yeah. I like his profile. Like he's big, he's strong, he's quick. It's just, yeah, that clinicalness and the consistency mm. is an issue. But the two goals against Frosinone were great. Like you said, this one was a little bit fortuitous, but yeah. they all count. And Lauriente, a player we were so excited about Loved last him. year, um, had a little bit of a slow start to the season alongside Sassuolo. Um, but this is his first goal of the season, got an assist as well, I think, yeah. today. Uh, not today, last game. And... Yeah, a player we can be super excited about. So maybe Sassuolo, again, just some consistency at that club would be fantastic. But on their day, whenever it is, 
they are incredible to watch. And you just, they're always just that wild card and they will kill a team every so often. We remember them winning at um, San Siro against Milan last year, yeah, was it? Exactly. Five, two, whatever it was. Um, they really, really do know how to turn up sometimes. Um, <laughs> but we're going to leave that absolutely beautiful match there. Um, just one more moment to think about Gatti's goal and Chesney just flapping his arms. It was just a really beautiful moment. Um, and we're going to go to... Which game should we go to now? Should we talk about Napoli? Napoli? Well, we, we can do. There wasn't a lot to shout we've, about. Let's put we've it gone from thought. all the goals to none of the goals. Um, <laughs> now, in our Fantacalcio, I know I talk about it a lot, yeah, but in our Fantacalcio, people were bidding a lot of money for Osamen. And I was like, nah, nah, not this year. Not this year. Not doing it this year. I had him last year, keeping my powder dry this yep. year. And I feel like he is fully going off the boil. Um, mm. It was a terrible penalty. And then, of course, what we're, we're not going to talk about anything that happened on the pitch. Bologna did soddle. Napoli did soddle. They just struggled yep. through. But what is actually more interesting at the moment at Napoli is off the pitch, which is often the case in yeah. Naples. Yeah. Um, Rudy Garcia, he survived another week. Um, how many more weeks do you give him? So I think we said by Christmas, but it feels like that be might sooner. be optimistic. I'm going to give him until... The middle of November. Ooh, middle of November, okay. because I think that's where obviously Champions League group stages mm. might be done by. True. Um, and if like De Laurentiis has any aspirations for retaining the Scudetto, that could be the best time to trigger it. Like mm -hmm. give the new man at least a couple of weeks to be with the squad, get a transfer window under his belt and potentially move on from there. But mm. yeah, I, I suspect there might be already thoughts about this. De Laurentiis, we know in the past, can just trigger it and oh, just yeah. do something about it. He'll, he'll be quick at, as he wants to. But I think the performances haven't been warming. They haven't been inspiring. I, we've said it for the last few weeks. We're starting to hear a lot of Napoli fans growling at this appointment and saying, what the hell was De Laurentiis taking? You know, it's definitely not medicine, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, I think you can see the difference of what Spalletti actually instilled into that squad versus what the actual squad put into this as well, right? I think it's also players believing in a coach. Mm. That it's so blatantly obvious that the players did not want him and everybody, when he was appointed, went, this is not going to end well. And if the fans are saying that, the pundits are saying that, if fans can look at the, the track record. Pundits yep. could, like, you best believe the players are doing it as well. And they're looking and going, really? This is the guy that's going to follow up one of the greatest managers in Napoli's history? This is the guy you've picked? Mm. You sacked him for this guy? Like, it's not even... They'd, be, they'd start losing faith in ownership. They'd start looking at the club and being like, okay, is this the place I want to be long-term? Because I don't know what's going to happen next week. Like, if you can turn mm. around to a guy who's just won the Scudetto in the way that Napoli won it, they won it by Christmas, yeah. like, if... And you can sack him immediately. Like, where do we stand here? And I think we're seeing a lot of players whose motivation has gone because of that. Their heads have been turned and they're being coached by a guy who blatantly is about as popular as the, Sp the Spanish women's coach in that changing room. <laughs> like, they do not like him. Um, and again, it was highlighted by Osamen just screaming yeah, at him off. as he comes off the pitch. Cavada did it last match and again this match. He I did think. it in this um, match, yeah. He kicks out yeah. again, so yeah. And once you've got those two, like, mate, 
those two have got their own murals in the center of exactly. Napoli. Like, you are not winning that battle. It feels no. like when Spalletti tried to take on Totti. Like, yes, you're, just, does, yeah. you're, not, you're you... not winning that battle. No. Like, they are going to back those guys miles ahead of you. And I think, look, we've talked about the lack of identity, the lack of idea, the lack of anything at Napoli. But I just think it's impressive that he's still there. And I'm intrigued to see how long De Laurentiis will hold on because mm. you look at the fixtures coming up now, Napoli, and they, they've got um, Udinese at home midweek. Then they've got Lecce away. We're going to talk about Lecce, yeah, but we'll Lecce away. Next, yeah. Then they've got Real Madrid at home, Fiorentina away, like Verona, uh, Fiorentina at home, Verona away. Then they're away in Berlin and it's Milan at home. Like none of these games are looking like dead certs maybe no. Udinese you'd say because they're having a bit of a wobble yeah. but Lecce away is going to be difficult and all of a sudden you're looking at a pretty long losing streak there then you've got the derby against Salernitana and I just think yeah we could see him maybe November is maybe it's November yeah I feel mm. so just one word Zelinski his performances of late have been impressive considering mm-hmm. the backdrop of this team so far yeah. this season Zelinski has been the only player that has turned up obviously he's got his new contract so he's happy but yeah, I uh, just want to call that out because Z- Zelinski is a very hot and cold player. Yeah. When he wants to, he can be absolutely amazing. Next day, you might as well just be playing for a pub team, right? Yeah, Basically, yeah. that's the standard. But yeah, he's been superb so far. The only kind of spark in that team mm-hmm. so far this season. But yeah, let's move on, Rory. Let's yeah, go. I'm going to very quickly say Bologna. I'm going to give them a little bit of credit. I think Lukumi was fantastic. I think Bukema, who came in, mm-hmm. um, who's come in this summer from Holland, I want to say. I did a scout. Yes, yes, yeah, Sam Bukema, yeah. Yeah, he said Alkmaar, isn't it? He was fantastic yeah. as well. Some of those Alkmaar players have really moved on and mm-hmm. done very well. Reinders yeah. is another one as well, right? That Alkmaar team yeah. is very good. Um, and also, um, Carlson has been very, uh, very enjoyable to watch. Um, he's currently keeping Orsolini out of the team, which is actually pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, he's been fantastic to watch as well. So I wanted to give Bologna a little bit of credit, although the statistics say they didn't really try to do anything this <laughs> no, match. Um, and they are definitely missing on Outovic. I like Xerxes, yeah. but he hasn't quite got that. He's very young. He hasn't quite got that yeah, imposing got presence. Yeah, exactly. That on Outovic brings. Mm. Um, so yeah, Napoli, we got enough out of that nil-nil, didn't we? I think we got a fair yeah, bit yeah, out of the nil-nil there. Enough, yeah. um, nice. The next game we're going to move on to, um, should we talk about Lecce? Should we do yeah, Lecce? let's talk about Lecce. Give them their props. Lecce, absolutely loving life. Up in third place, five games, three wins, two draws, zero losses, scored eight, conceded four, still keeping it tight at the back. Absolutely Loving it. Unbelievable from them. Um, how impressed have you been with them this season so far? I just I uh, cannot believe it. I'm eating a lot of humble pie, Rory. Yeah, 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 unfortunately, yeah. I tipped them to go down. And on this showing at the moment, they're proving us all wrong. I cannot believe this team under Roberta Diversi is really like propping it up at the moment. They are just superb. And considering a lot of those players came in quite late in terms of mm-hmm. transfer window, and a lot of them didn't really know about each other. They are playing some superb football. They're not pretty on the eye, but they are fighting for each other. They're well kind of versed. They know what they've got to do roles-wise. And again, against Genoa, they made it look easy. They made it look easy. And Udan, who's obviously scored the goal, superb strike. But they, Almqvist as well was another one that I wasn't too sure when I first saw him against Lazio in that opening game of the season. 
but he's proved me wrong as well. He's been tearing it up so far since his transfer from Sweden, I want to say mm-hmm. it is from yeah, Alphabet. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they just really have pushed on. And I thought they would struggle because Baroni had moved on to Verona. And yeah, just proving us all wrong, Rory. I'm pretty sure I saw everyone predicted Lecce to go down and they are just doing the opposite. And they've got an interesting match now. They take on Juventus, who should be in that kind of mix, right? Do they do the inevitable and pull off a shock at Turin and just win against Juventus. I mean, do you, do you think they could do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think w- w- the thing that we've always associated with Lecce is defensive stability, right? Since yeah. they've come into the league, they've not been a particularly forward, no, forward-minded no. club, right? Or a forward-minded team, though, to be fair. I think they've kind of, there was a lot of goal wins by one goal margins and a lot of clean sheets. And that's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It gets you the points. It keeps you in the league. I've loved having Lecce in the league. The misses can't hit. It's fine. Yeah. But I've loved having Lecce in the league. Um, so I think they could definitely turn up against a slightly struggling Juventus who at home, there's going to be a lot of pressure. If you don't yeah. start well, the crowd or what crowd there is there might turn on them very yeah, quickly. True. Like, And I think there's all the ingredients there for, for a massive upset. I think the players you, you highlighted, Udan, he was great for them last season. He scored some really good goals last year. And I think him make, them making that move permanent was fantastic business. Yeah. Um, it was a hell of a hit from him. And yeah, they've got these like really technical, or like not even technical, it's like mercurial attacking players. Like yeah, sometimes yeah. they won't be that great. And then sometimes they'll just kind of like that adult wrapped level yes, of talent. Yeah, you never yeah, know yeah, what know you're going to get. But then they'll just spam one top corner. And you're like, oh, this guy is talented. They're very, very talented. Mm. Um, and then Strafetta up front just gets the goals. Just it, it really, his hold up play is fantastic as well. I feel like it, when you've got that focal point and you've got that like, clear plan yeah we're seeing it come to we're seeing it come to fruition the the diverser one is really interesting because he hasn't had a managerial job since 21 22 when he was at Sampdoria yeah you can imagine how that one went <laughs> and I think them bringing him in wasn't really this like exciting, no no, like, no expectations because yeah I thought they were expecting him to be potentially the first manager to go out of the door potentially <laughs> um, so for him to come in and like have such a good start obviously the players have bought into it instantly and like i said they've got a clear plan they've got a clear idea clear identity and yeah absolutely here for it i'm just looking at the amount of business they did this summer it is a bit they've mad. done yeah they've done a lot of free transfers and our mm-hmm. man basharita wasn't even playing in this match yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? so it's incredible incredible yeah. um but i also think they've done some clever business like male from fiorentina is a mm-hmm. very good sign in that is a very good sign like just as a central yeah, midfielder clever. Just perfectly capable, comfortable in the league, like experience. I think he really, that is a hell of a signing there. And then, yeah, as you said, Falcone in goal. He was fantastic last season yeah, for them. Right. Important that they that they kept him. And yeah, Kristovic, some really, really good players. So great to see and not as boring as they were last year, I'm going to say. Not <laughs> as... Um, not as <clears throat> yeah, goalless as last year. So yeah, great to see them. We'll see how long it lasts because Udinese were pushing right at the top this yeah. time last season um, and they fell off big. Um, but mm. yeah, good luck, Lecce. Um, we will see where this season goes. It's exciting. It, it is, is exciting. It is. Yeah. It is exciting. Um, good. I think elsewhere... Um, oh, Torino-Roma. You yes. sat and watched that game. Should we go for it? Talk us through. I, I did. I was going to say, it's one of those that it, it wasn't 
the most pleasing on the eye, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, not for the lack of effort. And what I would say was, wasn't a lot of entertainment value in the first half. Um, but come into the second half, I think th- this is where Roma kind of did the breakthrough accidentally. So Cars, uh, cars Drop, was it Cars Drop? Um, yeah, yeah. Christiansen, sorry. Christiansen, oh, no. the right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah comes into the box and um, his kind of ball through kind of inadvertently hits a defender into the path of Lukaku who manages to turn Bongiorno who had a fantastic match mm-hmm. up until that point but just the strength of Lukaku seemed to just spin quite easily past him and he strikes his ball past Milinkovic Savage in the Torino goal so you're thinking right Roma are going to shut up sharp they've done what they needed to do which is basically get to this point and score the goal um and then it was literally four minutes from time, a free kick given against Roma, definitely a foul on the Torino midfielder. I can't remember who it was, but Ilicic, superb hit into the box. Mm-hmm. And Duvan Zapata, the man who's just what been he doing does. It for Atalanta, just what he, does. he just seems to be rejuvenated under Torino and Juric. And that header was superb, Rory. Um, to be fair, they were very unlucky because Duvan Zapata in the first half had an effort that was saved well by Rui Petitio. Uh, you, in particular, like Dembasenk, who had a fantastic yeah. probing kind of runs down the wings as well. And obviously, I really like Raul Bellanova, who was brought in at Inter. Obviously, didn't make his move permanent, but Torino snapped him up quite quickly from Calgary. And he was really good. But as soon as Caramel came on, getting a bit of trickery we like caramel as well like what he can bring to the game i just like really like enthusiastic about torino this time rounds like torino of old probably not inspired about what they can do but this time round, really like sympathetically really pleasing to see so yeah really love that let me just carry on with the fixtures that have taken place over the weekend. So Salernitana secured a one-all draw with Frosinone. We also have, in from that period onwards, we've got Milan also beating Hellas Verona 1-0. And we have got Rory back in the stream. So I'm back. Great to see you again, as I was explaining about the Torino result. And just quickly going through the other results that mm-hmm. can take place. So just um, quickly talking about Milan and their horrible kit, Rory. I don't know if you saw it. But I don't mind it. Do you I like honestly it? don't mind it. Oh, I don't mind it. No, I think it's bold. I'm not a fan. I I'm think it's bold, but look, you don't need to wear it at home. Let's have it out. AC Milan <laughs> at home should only be wearing red and black. But yeah, exactly. I don't hate it. I know it's I know it's designed for Gen Z and it's meant to be for like street fashion, etc. But I, I don't mind it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not fine, against it. Fine, fine. Well, we'll uh, stick with. Uh, we'll agree I to feel. disagree. Definitely, I definitely <laughs> disagree with that one. I, I get you know you can be retro, right? But yeah, that's just different type of retro. Anyway, uh, Lazio drawing one all against Monza. Quick word on this, Monza. The I mean. Great result for them. Um, mm-hmm. Giladino with the goal here. But Lazio, more booing towards Sari and th- this Lazio squad. They're right in the mix. I mean, you tipped them for the Scudetto. They're more it's likely to get relegated. Good. I mean, what's it's, going on? It's really not looking good. And I, I really thought Sari in his third season it was going to click and we'd see like new levels. And it's just not working at all. There's just so much wrong with it. They can't seem to they can't seem to put a game to bed. They can't seem to score. They can't seem to defend. Like the Chelsea fan in that rant said, they're just useless <laughs> at everything. Um and I think, yeah, just 
yeah, it's not good, is it? I hope, I hope they stick with Sadi, but Latito isn't the patient type in general. Um, no, he's definitely. And I not. think we could, we could see like let's see who Lazio have got coming up. Like midweek, they will be taking on Torino at home, which is mm. another tricky one. Like that's not an easy game by any stretch. Then they've got Milan away, um, and then they'll be looking at Atalanta at home. Like they've got a rough run of fixtures coming up. Sassuolo away, so it's like. Yeah, um, it could be dangerous times for Milan, and my um, prediction is definitely in the mud. But, yes. guys, I think that is everything I wanted to say about Serie I'm just looking across the thing. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Oh, the two Fiorentina goals were absolutely fantastic as well. They did not deserve mm. that win at all. <laughs> Udinese absolutely battered them. Fiorentina had two attacks, two goals. Uh, but Bonaventura assisting a goal at 35 mm-hmm. years old cannot be bad. That guy's absolutely crushing it. Um, Char- so, yeah. yeah. I was just going to quickly say Charles de Catelier for Atalanta. Just ripping it up again. He's got his confidence back. I, I, I suspect he'll go to Atalanta, become yeah. a name, get sold on for 100 million. So yeah, let's yeah, see what yeah. Absolutely finesse Milan out of it. Absolutely <laughs> finesse Milan out of it. I love it. No, it is good to see him with a smile on his face. Yeah. He got an assist, right? He did. Um, nice. Well, guys, thank you for joining us on your Monday evening. We do have midweek action, as we said, in Serie A. Um, the games of the weekend, just what the games of the week, one more time. I think we have Juventus tomorrow, yes, Tuesday night. Lecce. Um, Juventus taking on Lecce. We have Cagliari hosting Milan. Empoli taking on Salernitana. Verona hosting Atalanta. Um, oh, these are all on Wednesday. The Napoli hosting Udinese. Inter mm. will take on Sassuolo. Lazio, Torino. Frosinone, Fiorentina in a game that's quite mm. fun to say. And Monza, Bologna and Genoa, Roma. So we have got lots of Serie A action. We will we be do. talking about that or those on our Friday show. Um, make sure you check it out there on your chosen podcast app of choice. Uh, this is a messy ending. You can find <laughs> us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, on TikTok at Anglo Italian Pod. If you're watching on YouTube or whatever now, hit like and subscribe. Um, drop a comment if you strongly agree or disagree with anything uh, me or Adam have said. <laughs> yeah. um, I think maybe my London North London Derby chat got a bit biased. Who knows? Adam, anything to say before we go? No, good to see a lot of people on the live stream as well. So many props to Spanish Tickle. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, yeah, I never thought I'd be saying Spanish Tickle, but there Spanish you go. Tickle. Yeah, I love it as a handle. I'm not going to ask where it came from. Guys, we will <laughs> see you on Friday. Arrivederci. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.